Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah, just a, a quick point, uh, and I shared it at the beginning of the first, uh, first service to, about, about Reg Williams, who was the pastor here when Fru and I joined the church uh, 22 and a half years ago. Uh, a great, great man of God. And I remember after that first time Fru and I uh, came to the church, and I was talking to Reg after the service, and we connected in a really deep way. We both realised that we supported Wolves Football Club. Uh, and that was it. I said to Fruit, this is the church we're coming to. Okay? Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, so we're here. And, and Reg was, was great. And, and as Mark said, he, he was our first small group uh, uh, leader. And uh, he really believed in that. And my love and my kind of knowledge of the importance of small groups came from Reg and from all that he did here at BCC. So he's going to be missed. Uh, and so our love goes out to his family. So yeah, we're in our series, uh, Great Expectations. I'm just going to get my... I've done it again. I've forgotten to bring my um, uh, clicker. There we go. We're in our series, Great Expectations, from the beginning of December through to the end of this month, through, through to the end of January. And we know that in, in December, uh, it's an obvious time to have a series called Great Expectations, the whole lead-up to the Christmas, uh, Christmas Day and all the kids getting excited, and all the shoppers coming out, and the, and the town's full, and everybody's anticipating things, and there's expectation in the air, and, and so Great Expectations is, was great for December. But it's also fantastic for January as well, because we know that in January, uh, it's, a, it's a time of new starts, it's a time of new resolutions, uh, new year, new me, uh, new ideas, turning over a blank page, in a book, starting new things. And so we can have great expectations about 2017 as we come into January. And I think probably that was Mark's whole idea behind choosing the title for this series. It's a really great title and it's exciting for us. And it really fits in with where we are as a church because we do have great expectations, don't we? Me and you, great. (laughs) And if you know that the the, uh, TV show Only Fools and Horses... Uh, remember what Del Boy says to Rodney at the end of every episode. He says, this time next year, Rodney, we'll be millionaires. We'll be millionaires. It's the whole idea of yeah, anything can happen. Anything can happen. This is a new year. You know, we, we can make decisions now and we can put things in place now. We can make new habits now. They're going to affect where we're going to be by the end of this year. And I guess all of our hope is, you know, whenever we make New Year's resolutions, our hope is that we will, we will change. We'll become better for it. So we can look back in a year's time and say, that's what I was like back then, but this is what I'm like now. I've really come on. I've made this journey, and I'm different. I've grown. I'm a better person for it. And this is a great time for putting things into place to enable that to happen. It won't just happen by accident. We have to decide, and we have to be... um, we have to be intentional about the decisions that we make. Yeah. So uh, maybe you made New Year's resolutions this year and maybe you've managed to hold them so far for a week and it's still going strong for you. I heard that 80% of New Year's resolutions are broken within the first week or month or something. It's something terrible like that. 
But I read some uh, funny tweets that people wrote about New Year's resolutions. Uh, somebody wrote on uh, the 1st of January, so after, the day after New Year's Eve, he, he wrote, forgot to make resolutions, just write everything you did last night, and at the beginning, add the word stop. <laughs> yeah. Some of us can relate to that. Um, I heard somebody else wrote, my news resolution is to figure out how to squeeze a fourth and fifth meal into my day. Amen. Um, my 2017 resolution is to work on my low self-esteem, but I don't think I can do it. Yeah, I'm glad you got that. And uh, this is great. A startup idea, a gym named resolution that runs for the first month of the year and collects the subscription fee and then converts to a bar named Regret. <laughs> A lot of people would uh, definitely um, uh, relate to that. Um, So maybe you've made resolutions and maybe you've kind of got an idea about where you want to go. Often resolutions are about finances or about kind of losing weight or getting fit or relational thing. I'm going to treat my family better. or I'm going to see this person more and be, be involved in somebody's life. And whatever we're looking for, personally out of 2017 whoever wherever we're looking to go on whatever journey we're looking to go on ourselves if anybody if, if we're following Jesus we want to make sure that we are sat right at the center of God's will whatever else we decide we need to be right at the center of God's will and we know that that's the best place to be don't we because whenever we go we we will go through ups and downs there'll be high points in the year there, there will be and there'll be low points as well there'll be challenges There'll be hurts, there'll be, there'll be issues. But when we're even in those dark and difficult times, if we know that we are at the center of God's will, we will come out stronger. Yeah. And it will, it will be a positive experience. It will come out, it will come out and we'll have learned stuff and we'll, we'll know how to handle that situation better and we'll be able to help people come through the same things more. So making sure we're at the center of God's will is really what it's, what it's all about. So we're in an exciting time as a church, and I want to talk today about two concepts. It's not going to be a long talk, just two concepts that I think are right at the heart um, of God's will for us as individuals and as BCC, as, 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 as a church, as a group of uh, believers. Um, simple concepts, really, um, and these are reaching wider and growing deeper. Deep and wide. We need to do both. We need to be thinking in both terms. We need to be reaching wider. Um, What I mean by that is is having an outward mindset, an outward-looking heart that uh, says, okay, we need to bring people into the kingdom. We need to be uh, thinking outside of ourselves and outside of our small group of close Christian friends and thinking, how can I bring more people into God's kingdom? And we need to grow deeper. We need to be uh, in our... Daily lives, we need to be having a deeper, more intimate relationship with God. And we need to understand him better. And also relating to other people around us in a deeper way. This is how we're going to grow this year. By having those two things, reaching wider and growing deeper. And we want to see, as a church, uh, this is exactly what we're about. We want to see as many people come into God's kingdom as we can. This is why we get excited when we talk about you know, numbers giving their lives to Jesus, numbers responding. You know, 20 to 25 people uh, over the Christmas period responded to the gospel. That's amazing. That is such good news. We should really be celebrating that because um, every single number represents 
not just a life transformed, but a generation potentially transformed. Yeah. Every single one represents a generation of people transformed. And that is exciting. And that's why we get excited about baptisms, people moving on and, and taking the next steps uh, in their faith and in their, in their walk with God. Um, Paul, it was totally Paul's heart in the Bible. You know, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he wrote a lot of the New Testament. And he makes this statement in uh, his letter to the Corinthians. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. By all possible means. I wonder if, if you have a heart like that. If you had that thought, whether you have a thought that says, I'm going to do absolutely everything in my power to do to reach people, to reach wider, to reach into my community, to reach those people who don't yet know Jesus, to bring people into the kingdom, become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. So that was Paul's heart. That's our example. It's Paul's heart because it's God's heart. Paul was just speaking from the heart of God. And it should be our heart. Um, we know it's God's heart because we read it all the way through Scripture. There's lots and lots of times where Jesus talks about you know, going out and, and bringing people into the kingdom. And I'm just going to pick one example. It's from the Gospel of Luke and it's chapter 15. It's a well-known example. Jesus is, is there. And he's, uh, he says he's, he was speaking with the tax collectors and the sinners. It's kind of like a small group, if you like. He was having a, a small group time with tax collectors and sinners. And he was chatting with them and he was talking to them. I don't know what he was talking about. It doesn't say. Um, but it does say that the religious leaders were on the outskirts of that discussion. And they were muttering under their breath. They were, they were cross. Jesus should not be with sinners and tax collectors. He should be with us. If he's a religious man, if he's a religious teacher, if he's a rabbi, then he would be in the church with us, not outside the church with, with those people. And that was their attitude. And so Jesus, he, he responds to their muttering by telling three parables. He's got three stories that he gives back to back, all essentially saying the same thing, and all, of it, and all, and all, sto- all the stories giving us a real uh, a glimpse and an insight into God's heart for reaching people and most of us know the stories you've got the uh, the parable of the lost sheep followed by the parable of the lost coin followed by the parable of the prodigal prodigal son and they're all essentially saying the same thing um, first of all the lost sheep so Jesus turns to the religious leaders and he says well suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and one of them isn't there one of them has been lost one of them's gone away and you count your sheep and you've only got 99 there there's one missing what are you going to do do you say oh well i've got 99 that one i'm sorry i have to go i'm going to have to stay here and just protect the ones that i've got he's saying no no you don't do that you go out you leave the 99 on the hillside is what he says and you go out and find the one and you might think well that's surely that's dangerous surely you're leaving uh, all these 99 unprotected. Well, they're not unprotected because they're together. And any kind of uh, shepherd would know that the, the sheep that's most vulnerable is the one that's away, the one that's on its own. And so you go out and you bring that one. You find that one and you bring it back. And he says when, when he finds that one, he brings it back and then he celebrates that he found that one sheep. That one sheep is important. 
And um, we, this is a concept that we as a church really believe in. We really believe in reaching out, reaching wide and bringing people in. Now, some might say, oh, you're all about the numbers. And I would say, yes. Yes, that's right. Because every number is important. Every one. Jesus told this story because he was interested in the one. Every single one is important. So, yeah, we are unashamedly about numbers. Bringing people in and seeing them grow, obviously. It's not just about getting people through the door. I understand myself on this. But Jesus then made this statement. The guy comes back and celebrates. He said, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need to repent. That's heaven's heart. That's heaven's heart. They will celebrate. You know, we love earthquake. I'm going to be here. I love earthquake. I love coming in and worshipping. I love the prayer meeting. I love gathering in our small groups. I love to see healings. I love to see people using their gifts. These are all fantastic. And God loves that too. But what makes heaven rejoice is seeing that one coming into the kingdom. That one life saved. That should be our heart. Is there more we can do? Because, because it's our heart as a church, we're always going to make decisions based on that. And for some, you might get a little bit frustrated because we'll try new things. You know, we, one of our values is being innovative. We're not innovative for the sake of trying new stuff, but we're always thinking, how are we going to reach more people? How is our reach going to get wider? Yeah. Let's try this. Yeah. Let's do this. And if you're not into that, then it's going to be frustrating for you to be in this place. Because we're going to be trying new things yeah. and, and seeing where we're going. Is that okay? Yeah, that's, that's our heart. Great. Um, and obviously you've then got the, the parable of the lost coin. Uh, which Same idea, diff, slightly different angle. It says there's a woman who has ten coins and she loses one. And it says that she lights a lamp and she sweeps the house looking for this one lost coin. She doesn't just say, oh, I've still got nine. That's all right. The one will turn up. It says, and the words that it uses there are not passive. It's really urgent. It says, you know, she turns her house upside down. She throws everything. You know, she gets frantic looking for the one. And when she finds the one, oh, she is so happy. She invites all her neighbours in to celebrate with her about finding one coin. You might think, well, surely that's over the top. That's what makes heaven rejoice. Finding that one makes heaven rejoice. That should be our heart too. I remember when um, JJ... Sorry, JJ. Uh, he's getting, oh, no. When JJ was younger, he's brilliant at hide-and-seek. He's the best in our family at hide-and-seek. And I remember once going to Ikea when he was younger, um, and we lost him. Has anybody ever lost a child? I don't mean permanently. I mean, like, you know, uh, you know just misplaced a child. Um, well, we were in Ikea, and JJ wasn't there. And, and so I didn't say to Fru, don't worry about it, Fru. We've still got another four. It'll be all right. You know, we've had plenty anyway, really, let's face it. Um, we can always have another. <laughs> I didn't just say, oh, it doesn't matter. We, were, oh, we went searching for him. We were frantic. Oh, where's he gone? We were looking everywhere. In the end, we found him in a kitchen cupboard in Ikea. <laughs> Brilliant at hiding. We weren't playing hide and seek at the time, but 
there we go. There's urgency. There's an urgency about finding the one. We know it about our children. We should have that same urgency about reaching people. Uh, a friend of mine was telling me about a um, RNLI, RNLI lifeboat centre, a new one that's opened in Poole. And it's a nice, build, nice new building. And they've got a cafe there. My friend goes there because they do good breakfasts in the cafe. Um, but he was telling me about when you walk into the, uh, this new uh, lifeboat centre, they've got a little display in order to try and um, kind of drum up support to kind of get you on their side and also to drum, get, up, get finances. Um, they have a display and it looks like this. Um, a number, 24,395. And you might think, well, you know, what are, they, what are they saying with this number? Are they saying, you know, support us, we're so good. This is the amount of people we've saved this year. This is the amount of souls that have been saved. That's a maritime term. You know, they talk about souls on, on ships. You know, this is the amount of souls that we've seen saved. That would be a good thing, right? Yeah? To see and go, yeah, yeah that sounds like a good, good thing. But that's not what this number is. Let me just zoom in a bit. So this is the number of people that have drowned around the world since the 1st of November 2016. So this is the end of November, this was. So this was in the month. So what they're doing, they're saying this is the number of people who have died at sea. Oh, that's a different thing, isn't it? That's an important number. And they're saying, yeah, we're doing a job, but we need to do more. There's more that we need to do. And we need your help. Much more important number. And we can, you know, it's important for us to celebrate those people who get to get saved. But actually, what about if we had a, a display like that? The number of people lost in this area over Christmas. What would that do to our urgency? The number of people lost that we could have reached. That's a little bit different. And, you know, there's a um, film... Uh, Schindler's List. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's a story of, uh, it's a true story about a German industrialist called Oskar Schindler, who, um, by all sorts of means, he managed to save lots of Jewish, lots of his Jewish workers, um, stop them being sent to the uh, concentration camps, and for every worker that you say, you have to pay money to this, to the German guards and to a German commandant to bring these people into his factory so that they could work. But it was all about saving these people. There's a, there's a scene at the end of the film uh, when Schindler is there talking to his assistant, Stern. And it's at the end. It's at the end of the war. And there's a whole crowd of people outside the factory, all these workers that have been saved. And Stern says, you know, 1,100 people owe their lives to you. Owe their lives to you. They would have died. And they present him with a ring, and, and on the ring is in, inscribed, uh, he who saves one saves the world entire. And, you know, and this is supposed to be a, a kind of a, a happy thing. Stern is saying, this is great. You know, all these people got saved. But Schindler has a different response. He puts the ring on, and then he breaks down. And as Stern comes close, he, he whispers to him, I could have done more. I could have done more. I wasted so much money. I bought things I didn't need. I spent so... You have no idea how much money I wasted. I could have saved more. There was more I could have done. And then he goes to his car. He said, this car, that's 10 people right there. That's 10 people. I could have sold this car and I could have saved 10 more people. And he looks down. He's got his Nazi... Uh, 
emblem badge, gold badge, this pin. Two more people. Two more people. I could have done more. And he breaks down his tears rolling and, and, they, they, and then they all come round and they all gather round and, and hug him. And I wonder, you know, how do, we, how do we really see those outside of our close circle of Christian friends? Do we have a sense of urgency? Do we have that same heart of it that heaven does? It's important. That's why we need to reach wider. That's why as a church we're going to do whatever we can. That's why we put on a third service, to reach wider. That's why we have small groups, to reach wider. Because if there's one lost person in Bromley, in Bickley, in Petswood, in Chislehurst, in Beckenham, in Downham, in Cafford, if there's one lost person, then we've got a job to do. We've got a job to do. That's our mission. We talk about being missional. That's what it means. When you say we're missional, that's it. Missional means having a mission. Our mission is clear. That's it. We need to reach wider. The bigger we are, the smaller that number becomes. That's what we need to do. Okay, so that's my first thing. uh, That's the first thought about God's heart is for us to reach wider. The second thought is we need to grow deeper. You know, we love, we love big church. We love getting together with a big group of people. We have fun together, don't we? Yeah. And we know that as a big group of people, we can have influence and we can have big teams and we can reach people as a big church that maybe you can't do as a small group. But we are also aware that real life change and life growth doesn't happen in a big church. In a big church... Kind of this is kind of, you know, we have great messages here. We have Vlad and we have Mark and Deborah giving us amazing, feeding us so well. And it gives us a catalyst. And it gives us a thing, yeah, I need to change. These are the areas I, I do need. I'm inspired to do something. But actually the change happens in relationship with other people in a small group setting. That's really where we're going to change, where we're going to grow, where we're going to get deeper in a small group setting. So... We've got to reach wider. We've got to become larger and larger because of the numbers thing. But we've got to go deeper and smaller because of the life change thing. So today we're launching our new small groups initiative. I am so excited by this. And as I said to the first service, I am also so nervous. I am so nervous about this. We've been working on this for a long time. I am scared. Okay. Um, In a good way, because whenever you're trying new things... And whenever you put yourself out there, whenever you innovate or try new ideas, things invariably go a bit pear-shaped, don't they? And you know what? Some things are going to go pear-shaped, maybe even today. I hope not. I hope not. Nathan's done a sterling job on our website, making it possible for people to sign up. Can we just show Nathan some love? Brilliant. Really good. And... And uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how we're going to, you know, what the small groups uh, initiative looks like and kind of what it means for us. Um, but before I do, I just want to explain that you might be somebody who, who doesn't, there's no really other way to put it, doesn't like small groups, doesn't like being vulnerable in a small group setting. If you're like that, then you're like me. Okay? I am like that. I prefer big, anonymous gatherings. I would prefer to stand here and talk to all you, really, than have a one-to-one with somebody. This is easier for me. 
Okay, but I have learned, I have learned and I know the benefit of small groups and the benefit of, of deeper relationship, and which is why I've been part of a group for, for, for many, for years and years, always, because it's important. And um, maybe you're that person, maybe you're like me, if you go to a, a party, um, I'm always sat outside the main room on the stairs somewhere. Um, I'm not very good at talking to people. Um, and maybe that's you as well. I, remember I met Fru at a party like that. I was on the stairs and she came out. I don't think it's because she's not an introvert like me, but I think she just wanted to talk to me. So. <laughs> you can understand that, right? <laughs> when she found me, I'm so glad you did, love. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Uh, so you might, you could be like that, and maybe you steer away from those vulnerable conversations, from those, you know, opening yourself up. Can I encourage you to maybe make a decision to not be like that? And it's going to be hard, but you can do it. We can do it. We can be different. Um, there's a, uh, a great scripture, um, Hebrews 10. Uh, it says, and Mark used it last week, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And maybe you are in a place where you haven't met in a small group setting. You come to church on Sundays and you love this big gathering, but you don't really want to be involved in a, in a closer, deeper relationship with people. Can I encourage you? This is New Year. This is the time of making new habits, Okay. Some are in the habit of giving up meetings together. Don't be like that. Make a new habit. Take those steps and, and decide, no, 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 I'm going to be part of a small group because when I'm part of a small group, I'm going to grow. And also there are people in that group relying on me being there. God has put me in a, in a unique position. He's given me unique talents and gifts and passions that's going to help this group of people that nobody else can. You are important to your group you are so important this is where our spiritual gifts really come into play it's why it says in corinthians it talks about how you know they work together our spiritual gifts the things that god has given us our talents they work together and one part of the body can't say to another part i don't need you and likewise one part of the body can't say i'm not needed every part is needed every part is important so not only will you grow in a small group but you will help others grow because of who you are and because of the stories you've got and the history you've got and the challenges that you've broken through in that other people haven't. This is what's important. This is what small group relationships are about. I heard a funny story about three guys who uh, formed a small group, uh, just the three of them, and the first time they got together, the first one said, I've just got to get something off my chest. I need to share with you something about me. I'm a, I, I drink too much. I have a terrible problem with drink and I drink and I, and I uh, kind of do the wrong things. I say the wrong things and I just can't seem to stop and I just wanted to share that. And the second guy says, oh, thanks for opening up. You know, I've got to share something as well. I'm a terrible liar. I can't stop, I can't stop telling lies. I, you know, my family, to my colleagues at work, to my friends. I'm just a compulsive liar and I can't seem to stop and I just wanted to, wanted to share that. I've never told anybody before, but I wanted to share with you. And the third guy says, oh, I need to share something as well. I'm a uh, terrible gossip. And I can't wait to get out of here. 
Listen, that's a funny story. It's a joke, okay? It's not what our small groups are like, okay? It really isn't what our small groups are like. I just wanted to lighten it up a little bit. Um, But it is important that we open up. It is important that we decide to... Obviously, we don't want you to sign up to small groups, but we also want you to attend small groups. And when you attend, I want you to make a decision. I'm going to show this group the real me. Warts and all. You're not going to be the only... We've all got warts, in a manner of speaking. You know, We've all got those things that we wish people didn't know about. All of us, every one of us does. And when you begin to share that, when you open up, when you uh, start to build relationships and start to share those things you will find uh, beating those things becomes easier because you've got support and you've got accountability and they will support you and you will support them. Now, what I'm not uh, condoning or suggesting is that first time you get together with your new small group, laying it all out, okay, nobody wants to do that, okay, I'm not saying you have to do that, but... In your own time, as your relationships develop, I think the books kind of say it takes five or six weeks for you to start to build relationships. As that happens, then you start to share and you go deeper and you let people in. And as you start to trust people, okay? And uh, this is is where life change happens. And this is where growth happens. And so you're going to join a group, you're going to attend the group, and then you're going to ask the critical question, Am I going to be the real me? Because actually the truth is you don't have to. What I mean is, I would suggest you do. But if you decide to be there, you can be there, but not really, you know, still keep it all hidden. But that's not where you'll grow. You'll grow when we start to share about who we are and the difficulties we're facing. Um, this is a model for the early church. Small groups are important. In Acts, uh, we read... Uh, that uh, it says they met, this is the early church, they met day after day in the temple courts. So that's like the big church. They met together, you know, the big worship service the, uh, in the temple courts. I think, I think, I don't know if I'm quoting this correctly, I think the temple courts could hold 50,000 people uh, in Jerusalem at the time. Um, uh, but, you know, that's a big gathering. They met in the temple courts and also they met from house to house. And that's the small group. They did both. So we like the big church and we come on Sundays and we can do the whole worship thing and have a great time together. But we also need small groups. That's the model for the early church. Rick Warren says this. He says, the dual strategy of large group worship and small group fellowship is the biblical strategy and structure for the church, not just then, but for today. And I would agree wholeheartedly with that sentiment. We need both. Both are important. And um, both are missional. Both are mission. I'm not saying that you know, one thing is missional, the other one isn't. I'm not suggesting small groups should be kind of huddles where you get together and get all cosy with each other. But we need to be outward looking. And all our small groups are going to be outward looking and missional. There's that word again. Missional. In order to grow bigger, we are putting on this extra service. Uh, and we know that you know, we, we sometimes don't have full services. Not all the seats are taken here. But what we are doing is we're digging ditches. All right. If you remember my message from a few months back where I talked about the kings and uh, they were, they'd run out of water for their troops and their animals and so God told them to dig ditches. They didn't see any rain and then the rain was, it was raining far off, I think 15 miles or something to the, to the west and then the water came and because they dug ditches, they had water. The, the, the ditches were filled. 
That's what we're doing. This third service is a ditch. We're creating space because when you create space, God will fill that space. Yeah? Yeah? Are you with me on that? Yeah, Yeah, we're excited about that. So we're going to put on that third service uh, and we're excited about it. And again, there's likely to be teething issues around parking and things and around coffee and stuff. But if it's the right decision, we're all together on this. We're going to forgive all that and we're just going to make it work, aren't we? Thank you. Great. Uh, So in order to become... Deeper, we're, we're reimagining our small group system. Just briefly, let me tell you uh, kind of the nuts and bolts of it. We're moving from a, a continuous week after week forever system to a uh, three-term, ten-week, ten weeks per term system. And the reason is we know that in this area particularly, a lot of you guys are so busy. You're so busy with work and other commitments And we want to create space around small groups so that the pressure is off at crucial times like Easter holidays and Christmas holidays and um, summer holidays. And so we're going to a three-term system with with breaks in between the terms. And uh, if you want your group to continue between between the terms, brilliant. You can do that, and those that can make it will come. Um, But each term you're going to sign up maybe to the same group, maybe to a different group. Because we've got different types of groups. We've got uh, courses running as part of our small group system that won't run all year. But, uh, for example, this particular term, we have a parenting teenagers course running. And we don't expect this is going to run on every three terms across the whole year. So if you want to do parenting life small group this term, then do it for this term, and then go back to pastoral one for next term, or join something else. So there might be a little bit of movement but we're trying to, you'll find something that fits you. And can I say, give us a year on this. Do this and see what a difference it makes. Invest in it. I know that if you do this, you'll come, you know, and, and be disciplined about it. You'll come back in one year and you'll go, oh, I am not changing. I'm going to carry on doing this. This is, this is working for me. So our, our first term begins Monday the 23rd of January. And there are three types of groups. We have what we call connect groups. So these are interest-based groups. Okay? These are groups based around a common uh, interest or something. That, you know, if, you, if you're somebody that loves basketball or skateboarding, then why not get together with other guys or girls who like the same thing? And you meet. It's still going to be God-centered. You're still going to put God at the center. I, you know, you'll still be praying, maybe share a scripture together, but you'll also do what you love doing with each other and build relationships that way. So we have connect groups. We have coaching groups. So we've got various courses, things like marriage course, parenting course, um, leadership courses will be running as part of small groups. Now, not, not all of these groups will run all year. Some of them will run as a one-off per, in, in the year as one, one-term option. And then we've got pastoral groups, that are like our current life group system, really. Those are continuing. Most of them are carrying on as pastoral groups. Okay? It may be that you decide, I want to stay with my pastoral life group, but I also want to join that connect group. Brilliant. If it's at a different time on a different day, go to two for a term. You may decide that you're a, uh, interested in starting a group with something that you're interested in. Great. Because it's only a 10-week um, hit... <coughs> You can say, I'd like to try it. I'm, I'm a bit unsure about it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to, for, for term two, I want to do this. And we'll go, you know, you'll talk to Mark and I, and we'll say, yeah, we'll support you. We'll see what we can do to help you. Um, but 
You've only got to do it for 10 weeks, and then we can evaluate and say, yes, that worked really well. So it's, hopefully this will attract more people running and leading groups as well. Is that good? Yes. I think so. All right, so we've got uh, Connect Coaching and Pastoral Groups. First of all, these are the Connect Groups that are running. Uh, this term we have a homeless shelter cafe that Rob and Angela are, are running. It's going to be on a Sunday afternoon, and they're going to need volunteers. If you're somebody who really wants to connect with homeless people, then come along and help out, help support that here at the church. As a ladies fitness group, uh, starting, uh, very excited. I wish I could join it, but I can't. Um, uh, but that's going to be that's going to be really, really uh, great. And um, for some of these, there's limited numbers, so you really want to get in there uh, quickly if you're interested in doing that. And I know Ladies Fitness are going to get together around the world, have coffee together, and then do exercise together. Mum's Prayer and Coffee a Coffee Group is going to meet on a I think it's a Thursday morning. I think. It's a morning anyway in the midweek. Drop your kids at school. Come to the, It's going to meet in a cafe. And then we've got a technical training and developing group. So if you're interested in all things technical at the church, the media, the sound, the lights, you're going to learn how to operate all of our equipment and bring it back to the why. Why are we doing this? To put God right at the centre to make what we do more effective, to reach wider, to reach more people. Then we have our coaching groups. There's a Christianity 101, so if you're a seeker, if you're new to the faith and you want to find out about the kind of the foundational stuff about Jesus and about life as a follower of Jesus, that'll be the course for you. As a parenting teens course, I've already mentioned. As a course developing as a leader, maybe you're thinking, oh, sometime in the future I would like to lead a, lead a group, but I don't think I have the skills. Maybe that would be the course for you to do. And there's another course that I've, at the moment I've called This Is BCC. Uh, it may not stay that name, but this is for people who have moved into the area or have recently joined our church from other churches. They've been a believer for a while, but they want to know who we are. What are our values as a church? What do we believe? What are we interested in? What's our heart? What's our mission? And so that's a group for those kind of people. And we're going to incorporate gift discovery and purpose course within that. And then we've got pastoral groups that are kind of pretty much geographical. Uh, Bromley, Chislehurst, there's the midweek daytime group that meets here. There's two based in Orpington, there's a Petswood group and there's a Shirley group. And all the people that already belong to these groups, in historically, I've got to tell you, they love their groups. Yeah. They love it. They really, really... I was at a group recently, I'm not going to say which one it was, and they were all a bit fidgety about the fact that we're doing this. Oh, new people, are, gonna, are they going to stop me coming because there's too many people in it? I'm going, I hope not. You're going to have to sign up quickly. <laughs> um, but this is exciting. This is really exciting. And, and maybe these groups will grow and maybe there'll be apprentices coming up. That's what we want to see, you know, apprentice leaders coming through these groups and those groups will split into two with the same heart and feeling about it. This is so exciting. It's so exciting. And um, so those who belong to life groups know how great they are. Those of you who don't, you need to learn how great they are by going along and seeing what it can do in your life. I think I am going to stop there. But just to let you know, you can sign up for these groups online. If you go to the bcc.church, our website, there's a link on the front page that says sign up today. I think that's what it says, a small group. Or there's some guys here who are going to help you. These, uh, what did you say, EasyJet guys? Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you call it, Hannah? Hannah, if you stand up. They've got the word connect. They want to connect with you. They've got bright orange shirts. You can't miss them. And they're holding tablets. They're all kind of fully high tech. And if you're 
uh, a little bit unsure about going online yourself, then just come and talk to them and they will help you find the right group for you. Okay? We're done. So thank you very much for listening. Band, would you mind coming up? Uh, we're going to sing a song. Can we sing um, You Are Here, Emmanuel? I think, I think I'd like to celebrate. I'm in a, I'm in a happy, jumpy mood. Um, should we stand together as we sing this uh, song?